Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Wonderful. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, reading from the New King James. Are you ready? Are you ready? So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the Word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon, Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Verse 4. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, quote, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, To him, Master, we've toiled all night long and caught zip. Nada, nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Read verse 6. And when they had done this, they they caught a great number of fish. Notice they didn't catch any fish before they did it. Just saying. Their nets began to break, verse 7, and so he signaled to their partners to come to the boat and to come to help them. And they came and filled the boat, both boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the great catch of fish, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats into the land, they forsook all and followed him. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done. Move in power, mess us up with truth, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wonderful. We do have notes for you. And we'd encourage you to fill those in as we move along. You know, our lives are marked by events like you being born. That's a big event. That's not when your life started. But it is a big part of your life, you know, coming out of the womb. That's a, that's a major event. We call that your birth. Are you guys all right? We call that your birth birthday. There's certain things that take place in our lives that mark us. And um, the number one thing for me, for my wife, the number one moment in my life that caused a complete turning in my life is the day I gave my life to Christ, the day I was born again. There are divine turning points in your life. But if you're not aware when they come, then you might miss it. Simon here, later actually named now as Peter, has one of those moments. And I do believe in America that we are at a divine turning point. As I said, we've never had a president that I can recall who's defended the church and houses of worship like he has. The church is in a moment, what I believe right before, I think it's begun already, but a a third great awakening. There's been a number of great awakenings in America I believe we're headed for another great awakening. 
Our nation was founded on biblical principles. Our founding fathers, when they spoke and when they wrote, quoted three quarters of their speech was quoting scripture. How far we have fallen. How the walls of our nation have been crumbling for many, many generations. But I believe that God is raising up a generation of people. I believe that God is raising up a church, a remnant, a a people who will declare the glory of God and to see many sons and daughters come to glory. I believe that God is raising up people who are sick and tired of, of, of politics, people that are sick and tired of being political, having to say the right thing, and they want truth. I believe we're in the midst of a divine turning point in our country where at the end of the day, we'll be counted as a goat nation or a sheep nation. And as far as it depends on me, from this pulpit and every place I have influence and speaking for Dr. Morocco and our 300 extensions, we will do everything that's within us to reach the great harvest and to declare the kingdom of God among us until he comes and splits to eastern sky. That is what we're here for. We're in a divine turning point. And that's what you see in this text, this divine turning point for Simon Peter. This is not the first time he met Jesus. No, not the first time at all. What and why did Jesus do what he did? Well, what did he do? Well, what he did was he went and preached, and he pushed out. He asked for a little boat rental. Anybody ever rented a boat? He rented a boat. Anybody ever rented anything? He got in the boat and he pushed out. And they, we, we know that, that water helps sound carry further and clearer. So he pushed out with this in Simon's boat, his fishing boat. They had fished all night and caught nothing, not a zero. They caught nothing. He pushes out in their boat. He preaches the gospel. He preaches the kingdom, Jesus does. And when he's done, to give a boat rental fee, he tells Peter to go ahead and push out and let your nets down. Peter goes ahead and does that and catches, very possibly, the largest catch of fish he has ever caught in his life. Anybody like, anybody like fishing? Yes. I don't care for fishing. I like catching. I like. I like fish in my net. I like fish on the end of the line. I love the fight. I hate the weight. That's just the way I am. Somebody said, oh, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day of work. Well, I wouldn't say that at all. Good day in my work's better than any day anywhere. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Yeah, and heaven, can you imagine that? This is just a foretaste. Heaven, heaven's even greater than any encounter, any touch you've ever had from God. Heaven's even way better than that. Wow. So, Peter obeys this command of Jesus to let down his net. And he catches more fish than he's ever caught in his life. And it begins to sink his boat. And his, he calls his friends and they come and help him. And, and Jesus says to Simon, Peter, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And then Peter gives away his fishing company. He, he changes employment. Why did Jesus do that? Why did Jesus do the miracle? 
Well, right in your notes, number one, he wanted to release revelation to, to Peter. He wanted to release revelation to him. You see, whenever you see a sign and a wonder, now a wonder is a sign that makes you go, whoa. Sign makes you wonder. That's a wonder. Signs and wonders point to the reality that Jesus is God, points to the reality that God's on the throne, points to the reality that he's on the throne and the devil's been defeated, points to the reality that with my, what's impossible with man is possible with God. He still raises the dead. He still heals the sick. He still sets the captives free. In this room, in this sanctuary right now, there are three exits, excluding the windows. Over every exit in the room is a sign that says, exactly. You can try to go through that plastic sign. It would be rather ridiculous and I would say painful. It would be very difficult to go through the plastic exit sign. You're not supposed to go through the plastic exit sign. The exit sign shows you the way. Signs and wonders should never be worshipped, but they show you the the way. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. And so when signs and wonders are manifested, come on, the apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I've not come with the eloquence of man or the wisdom of man, but of the power and demonstration of the Spirit of God that your faith might be in God's power, not in the wisdom of man. And I don't know why it is that, you know, we can see a, a, a congregation of 120 in that upper room turn a known world upside down but today you can have places of thousands of people not change a nation. And I think the reason is, is because there's not enough signs and wonders and real preaching of the truth of God's word. And I'm not saying that we've apprehended it all, but forgetting that which lies behind, I press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You say, do you see signs and wonders in your church? Every time we gather, they've already happened. More to come for the rest of the service and tonight and Wednesday and next weekend and the weekend after that. Every Listen, the church should be a place where people get healed, people get free, that those that are on heroin get loosed, those that are addicted to drugs get delivered. Come on, the church is a place where your marriage can get healed, where your children can get healed. The church is a place of life. The mortuaries down the street, the church is not supposed to be some dead, half-baked social club. We are truly essential. In fact, the very definition of it without the church, that which restrains very possibly could be taken away for those of you that are studying the book of Revelation. The church is essential. Why did Jesus do the miracles? The same reason he does miracles today. To give revelation. And he wanted to bless Peter right back in your notes. He wanted to what? He wanted to bless him. He wanted to give him a you know, boat rental. You know, you can't outgive God. I said, you can't outgive God. You can't. Whatever you have given to the Lord, whatever you've sown, whatever you've tied, the Lord will bless you exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that you'd ask or even think. You can't even imagine. And some, somebody said, well, is that in this life? I think it includes this life, certainly. And it's definitely in the one to come. Whoever, whoever sold you a bill of goods to say that if you tithe and give, then your life is just absolutely blessed and you're going to have no trouble. You're, I've got a newsflash for you. That's not true. You can tithe and go home and kick the dog and curse the wife and you ain't going to be blessed. Or go home and 
kick the husband and curse the dog, you're not going to be blessed. <laughs> Whatever the case may be, it's an aspect of living for God with all your heart. But it's, you know, some people say, well, I give to get. Well, that's the wrong motivation. You give because it belongs to him and you love him. And as, as things return, you know, you praise the Lord. Seed time and harvest. This is just true. Some of you don't like what in your life? You don't like, if you look at your life right now, you don't like it? Put different seeds in the ground. I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about, look, if you're a jerk, how many of you know you're going to have other people be jerks to you? You know, the amazing thing about being a good friend is you'll, you'll begin to gain good friends. Kind of if you're kind, if you're loving, if you're gentle, it, it, it will come seed time and harvest. Do not be deceived, says Galatians. God will not be balked. A man will reap what he sows. What are you sowing? Now, why did he do the miracles? The same reason he does it today, to release revelation that he's God. Number two, to bless. God wants to bless me. Say it. God wants to. Say it a little bit louder. God wants to. God wants to bless me. And he wanted to see Peter fulfill his destiny. This is more important to me than anything, fulfilling a divine purpose that God has for my life. Oh, not just my life, but, but my wife, and not just my wife, but our children, and not just our children, but as the pastors of this church, my wife and I, along with this amazing team, our deep prayer for you is that you would fulfill the purpose that you've actually been brought into the earth. God has a divine plan for you. It's clear. I've taught you on it before. Purpose. God has a purpose. And that you would fulfill it. And that's what he wanted for Peter. God had a purpose for Peter. I mean, you look, it's amazing, amazing how God uses this reluctantly obedient fisherman in this text. And he, he encounters God in a way that he, didn't, that he never did before, and it changed him. He says, you know, I'm a wicked man. He repents. And he forsakes his fishing business and follows the Lord. Four things I see in this text so that you don't miss your divine turning point. How many of you need God to turn some stuff around? Yeah. That's welcome to the human race. We all need stuff turned around. But we serve a turnaround God. Don't miss your divine, your divine turning point. There comes these moments where everything can change. Overnight, God took Joseph and made him second in command of the strongest nation of the world. He was in prison. These moments come where I'm sure he didn't want to interpret some of those dreams, do different things that he did. He was, he was abused, but God was with him in the prison. He was, he was accused by Potiphar's wife. She's the one that had the issue. Over and over and over, he constantly humbled himself and had these moments where if he had failed on that moment, it would have missed the whole thing. But God raised Joseph up to embrace the wealth of Egypt to save Israel. Who knows what God will do through you if you don't miss your divine turning point. And I've seen so many miss their moments. Me and my life and my wife as well, 1995. They said, you gotta come to these meetings. Well, we came. I was a part of a mandatory discipleship program called Teen Challenge. Very humiliating. I wasn't a teenager. I was in my 20s. 
living with my mother before that, which is cool now, but it was not cool then. <laughs> I had destroyed my life, and I went to go get help, a Christian program. And I remember going, and then in January 1995, we went to a, we went to a good spirit-filled church as, as, a, as a school, as a, as a program there, we went to a good spirit-filled church. But we heard about this guy that was coming to uh, my church. I was a part of this church before I went to the program. And, uh, you know, somehow we ended up going. We went to the first service. <laughs> the station break. Hold on, we'll be right back. Went to the first service and I was three quarters of the way back sitting where they told us to sit. They played a VHS. Some of you don't know what that is, but it's this thing. It's kind of like eight-track tape, but for video. I played this VHS the night that angels sang from Lakewood, Florida. And they played that. And, uh, and all I know to tell you is that heaven came into the room. And... and they were singing songs on this video and then the congregation began to sing the same sort of song that was so many part harmonies. I love a four-part harmony. Don't you love when it's just beautiful like that? You know, in heaven, in heaven, it's the sound of innumerable casting down their crowns and singing. It's, heaven is filled with worship. Now, if you think it's loud here, you're going to hate heaven. You think, I'm not, into the, I'm not into all that music. You will absolutely hate it because that's what it is. It's filled with the glory of God, filled with, and I began to hear instruments and sounds and voices, and before I knew it, I was singing along with them. That very same service, I had a young man next to me. His name was JP. He was standing on a chair holding on to my trap, my huge muscular trap. And he sank his fingers into my trap, which I didn't feel any of that. But afterwards, afterwards I had these almost bleeding nail marks in my trap. In fact, I don't usually share this part. And uh, after the anointing lifted, we, we had to, most, most of us got carried home you know, back to, the, they, they, they had to carry us and stack us like cord wood in the van. Listen, I, I'd never seen anything like it. I didn't even know anything was like that, but I knew that I had heard the sound of the worship of heaven. I knew that, and I knew I partnered with it, and I couldn't hardly talk. That guy that, that had his hands in my trap, I'm off my notes, by the way. Welcome to King's. JP, he didn't talk for well over 24 hours. Actually, yeah, no, it was less than 24 hours because 24 hours later would bring us back to the next service. It was every night. 
He began to speak at some point during that day, and he told me with tears running down his face. And he had been in this program for 10 months. He was almost ready to graduate. It was a one-year program. And he says to me with tears, I've been faking it the whole time. I've been faking it. I don't serve God. I don't even believe in God, except now I do. And, uh, and uh, I'm scared, Daniel. I'm scared. I said, well, what happened to you? He said, I went to hell. And I thought, that makes sense. What the heck? <laughs> and we, he let, he, we led him to Jesus, and he got saved that day. He said, I've been faking it so I could get out of here and go run my thing. He said, but I've been lying the whole time. You know, that teen challenge wouldn't go back. Some of you have heard this story. This must be for somebody because I am straight. I'm off the reservation. Great word. If I don't finish it, uh, it, it's in the first service and it's recorded so you can go back and watch it. The school, the, the school, the teen challenge staff would not take us back. And we heard things like, oh, this guy, we don't know if he's from God, and he split more churches than anybody in modern history, and, and we're not sure this is God. And I'm like, you're not sure it's God? Junior boy's headed to hell. He went to hell. He got saved. He's like, I'm saved now. Yeah, I'm saved, yeah. And, and, and we went to this. It was just one of those things. You know, you can get religious. I've got the tie into my rest of my message. Isn't that amazing? Do you know, this is not the first time that Peter saw Jesus. If you look in Mark 1 and John 1, Andrew is Simon's brother. So Andrew and John, who wrote the Gospel of John, Andrew and John, very different service here in the 11 o'clock. <laughs> Andrew and John saw Jesus when he was baptized by John the Baptist. And they ran to Simon and said, oh, oh, we found the Messiah. We found him. He's like, really? And he met. This Simon Peter met Jesus that day. Peter was there at the, at the wedding of Cana when he saw the water turn to wine. He saw it. He was there at Capernaum when Jesus went into the synagogue and he cast a devil out of that boy. In church, devils. Can you imagine that, minister? Devils in church. But it wasn't until this moment, it wasn't until this moment that Simon, he knew about Jesus. He had seen the miracles, but he forsakes all and follows him. And I will tell you in my life, it wasn't until I met the king of kings like that till the glory of God touched my life. I'm not talking about a little pablum, cute little John 3.16. Please don't hear me wrong. What a great scripture. Greatest miracles to be saved. And if you're not, if you've not been born again, good night, Irene. You're in the right, if your name's not Irene, good night, Bubba, whatever your name is. You're in the right place. Because you need to learn, you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is no other way. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Ah! 
Every tongue will confess to the glory of God. On that day, you're going to bow the knee. On that day, you're going to bow the knee in humble adoration or raise fists in terror. How? Hey, guy, watch out for this section right here. Y'all, y'all are dangerous right here. The teen challenge. They said at chapel that morning. I said, um, "Are we going back there tonight?" It was. Uh, I think it was Tuesday night. We went Monday night. It's Tuesday night, but Tuesday night was family devotions. The most dead, boring, rigor mortis filled moment that we had every week. Family divas. I said, are we going, can we, can we go back? Because it was going to be every night. I said, can we, can we go back there? Oh, no, uh, Daniel, we, we're, uh, we're not going back. I said, what, 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 what? Seriously? They said, yeah, no, now behave yourself. Now, he had said that to me because I had not behaved myself at other times. I was so angry. I'll just tell a quick story. Well, that's what Jesus did. Jesus told stories. You were like three. How old were you? 95. He's getting touched by the Lord. (laughs) He was seven. We would sing the same song in chapel every morning. And I honestly couldn't even sing it for a while until I got healed and delivered. I can sing it now and mean it, but I used to mock it all the time. And I know many of you people know the song. This is a day, this is a day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is a day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is a day, this is a day that the Lord, how many of you know that? Has made every single chapel. I was so angry one morning as I came in. Oh, this is stupid teen challenge. I'm in my 20s. I shouldn't even be here. Bunch of morons. Every one of these people are stupid. Oh my gosh, God help me. And so we get in. Well, we're going we're gonna to sing today in chapel. And I said, oh God, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't even come in. God help me. God. He's like, and so uh, I said, oh, I know. And he's like, Daniel, what is it? I have a song. I have a song that we should sing. How about that one? And he said, behave yourself. And I just was like, bunch of idiots. I was angry. So this day after heaven coming down with the brother that went to hell that really wounded me badly, 
On that morning, I say, are we going back there? We're going back. He says, no, not, not tonight. We have, uh, we, I said, what? No, not tonight. We have family devos. I said, are you serious right now? And I said, he said, Daniel. I said, and you know, if you, if you, you lose your free time and they make you do slave labor if you get in trouble. So I just, <laughs> if he could have heard what I was really saying, I wasn't quite as sanctified then. And then he says, we're not sure that was God. That's what he said. There was weeping that hit, there was about 25 students. There was weeping that came over all of, this, all of them. They all began to cry and weep. Some began to curse and get angry. We won't talk about who that was, but they began to weep. And we went through our chapel, which was like mourning and like somebody died which is, it was always like that, but, but it was worse because now all hope of going to hear heaven again was lost. We all did our chores, we did our classes, and then there comes this period of time during the, the day where you had free time. First of all, we didn't even know what fasting was because they didn't teach us, but everybody fasted. Everybody skipped lunch, breakfast and lunch. People did their chores crying. There was an old Hawaiian church, it's at Oluwalu. For those of you from Maui, Oluwalu, that's where the Teen Challenge used to be. And there's an old Hawaiian church, just the foundations of it left. And I went in with another friend and we, I said, let's just pray. Let's pray they change their mind. And we, we got on our faces there in the sand. We lied face down, prostrate before the Lord in the sand. There's sand there. And began to weep and ask that God would change I mean, we didn't even know what we were doing, but we were so desperate. And before I know it, I heard other voices and I looked around and, and before you know it, all the students, nearly all the students were in this church. And it was such a beautiful picture. A church that's broken down. A church, church that would been devastated by, by the world or some act of violence. And now you have these people who have come out of Egypt weeping and crying for God to intervene. And at the end of that time, I just felt like I should just sit up. I felt, you know, I don't know how to say it. It's just like we prayed through or something. I didn't even know what that term was. And I look and we see the, the executive, all the executive staff of the Teen Challenge looking at us with their arms folded. And I'm looking at them like, well, what are you jerks doing here? Now I was, come on, I was angry. I said, man, you can't even, don't know if it's God. So I wanted to say something, but I just had, the Lord's peace was on me. And, I, and they said, students, and they're now weeping. And they said, we've never seen this. We've never seen students come and do what you're doing. And we've decided that we're going back. It was like, it was an eruption of celebration and worship. We went back that night, and we went every night, night after night, seeing God's power being put on display, seeing people healed. And I will tell you, it was that encounter that caused me to forsake all and follow him. 
Some of you don't know what it is to have an encounter with God like that. Some of you don't know what it is, but it's not a far off. He's as near as the words in your mouth. He spoke in parables to hide truth from casual observers. He is not obligated to touch you or to tell you anything. He touches people in direct proportion to the hunger that they have. And this Simon, this Simon, Simon had not met Jesus. He went to church a few times a month. cracked his Bible every so often and when he was in trouble he prayed you, you get where I'm, where I'm going America doesn't need a bunch of churchgoers they need a bunch of people that have been transformed by the power of God and what the miracle of Cana couldn't do although I sure it worked on him what the casting out of the devil didn't do it, it, uh, uh, the man in the synagogue God did for him, changing his name. Four things back in your notes. Obey the Lord. When God speaks to you, obey. That, those teen challenge executives, they obeyed. You know, one of them's on our staff now. This is 30 years later. Yeah, he got so touched by God that he just was like, oh, I'm in. Scott Stewart, my dear friend. Every time we see each other, we just start crying. Minister, thank you. Minister Scott, every time I see him, we're like, we hug on each other and cry. It's like, oh man, God, God, God. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. The world is nothing to offer. Sin, drugs, alcohol, ambition, money, fame has nothing. There's nothing there. Nothing. Four things so you don't miss your divine, your divine turning point. Number one, obey the Lord. Even if it doesn't make sense, it didn't make sense for Peter because you don't fish in the middle of the day. You fish at night. Obey the Lord. And it's within the confines of God's word. You don't get some half-cooked idea or full kook. God spoke something. Well, if he spoke something to you that contradicts this right here, you didn't hear from God. That was either you or the devil, but it ain't the Lord. So it's, it's not going to contradict this, but God will tell you to do things like march around that city for seven days. On the seventh day, I want you to shout... Allie. and then the walls are fall. That doesn't make sense. Rationale is a guillotine of faith. If it, if it doesn't if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't make sense, don't let that stop you. And if the circumstances aren't right, if the cir if circumstances weren't right to catch fish, keep in mind that your obedience, if you'll obey God, if you'll obey God. Your obedience will release a blessing of God upon your life and all who are connected to you, their boat, their nets were filled with fish and everybody that knew them. Do you know because you're serving the Lord, 
other people are blessed. Because you said yes to God, other people were blessed. I was at a wedding, two families are here. I've done a lot of weddings. I had the privilege of being a witness and pastor, pastor, what's your name? Pastor Cleveland, Pastor Vince. I got it. Did a beautiful job officiating. And as I sat there, I want you one of my pastors officiate. And I see lives that were touched. Live. What would have happened? I'm gonna roll it all the way back. The Pisoni family, their children. Hey, Tobias, where are you at? Matthias. Hey, come here. He's like, oh. say hi. Hi. Fifth generation in our church. Five. I said five generations, not one, not two, not three, not four. The fifth. You're going to be a great man of God. The Lord has given you a heart of compassion, mercy. The word of God's going to come alive to you, son. There's a call of God on you. And the same gift of music that your parents had, you will also flow in. And God's going to use you in amazing ways. Can you say amen? Amen. Five generations. So I'm going to get back to your story in a second. Your great-grandfather was the lead board member that stood up in the board meeting when Dr. Morocco presented the vision that freaked everybody out back in 1980. His great-grandfather stood on that day, one little church with about 80 people in it. They didn't even have enough to pay the salary of the pastor. And his great-great-grandfather, great-great-great, his great-grandfather, I got it, stood up and said, Pastor, whatever you want to do, we're for it. The whole rest of the board voted, and the journey began. If his great-grandfather didn't say yes, I would not be saved. I wouldn't be here. The, 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 the impact of your life, some of, you, some of you don't understand, your yes and obedience will release a catch of fish and the blessing of God in your life, but it goes down to the generations. And I remember that day. I remember when you called me, Dad. Said, Pastor, if you can get here, I know it's gonna be okay, and your, your daughter was born, but your wife was gonna die. It's marked my life. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget showing up. You guys were so full of faith and you were dying. And I've seen people die. I've been at many deathbeds. I know what it looks like. Your body looked like that. And they were just wheeling you out, I think for the third time because of internal bleeding and all kinds of problems that they couldn't, they didn't know what to do, you know. Dan escorted me back there in ICU. And I remember they're bringing you out just as I arrived. And if I don't remember this exactly perfectly, my wife goes through the same thing. So it's how I recall it. 
they're wheeling you out. And I, I, stopped, I stopped them and I went and I got both ends of the bed and I, your eyes were closed. And I remember getting over the top of you to pray. And when your eyes opened, you were full of fire, full of fire, full of faith. I thought, whoa, it's blue eyes. You're like, pastor. And we prayed, man, we prayed. And we, we prayed boldly. We let down our nets. You know what I'm saying? We went for it. We went back to that room. They wheeled her off. We went back to the room. You remember that? We went back to that room, Dan and I, and we continued to pray. And then I think we just started laughing. I mean, we had such a release, like, ha, 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 she's going to live. And we laughed and we laughed and the joy of the Lord hit us. And, and uh, she's right there. Both of them. Here's mom. Here's mom and beautiful Liv. Hi. What would, so are you telling me? Yes, I'm telling you. There's a chain reaction to your obedience. Not only a release of the blessing and fish and, and heaven and signs and wonders, but all who are connected to you. America is going to awaken. But you've got to obey. You've got to do what he called you to do. Oh, humble yourself and repent. That's what Peter does. All you note takers. Don't be afraid. Verse 10. Don't let fear stop you. The fourth thing is embrace vision. I'll make you a, vi a fisher of men. I'll make you a fisher of men. Personally, be a disciple. Be disciple. Make church a constant staple in your life. Read the word daily. Grow in the things of God. Develop a prayer life. Don't use them as a stinking flat tire for when you've got a problem. Be disciple. Peter goes on to be one of the, he goes on to be the really the, the, the lead apostle. He went to church a little bit. Then he forsook all. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, that your fire would mark every man, woman, boy, and girl. That your power would come upon these in their dream life. That your power would come upon these even now, causing each and every one to forsake their idols, selfish ambition, the works of the flesh, intoxication. Lord, that you would reveal yourself. They would taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Yeah. your talents to make disciples collectively as a church I'm telling you we're going to plant a church in Anchorage I'm telling you when I don't know I'm praying believing raising up leaders we're going to plant a church in Anchorage we will plant a church in Anchorage I'm telling you we will plant a church in Juneau we will 
planted church everywhere God tells us we will finish our building. We'll plant churches in the nations of the world. Can you say hallelujah? We'll plant a church in Amsterdam. Come on. Going to plant a church and an outreach in Indonesia. Going to plant churches everywhere the Lord calls us to because we've been marked. We've received a divine turning point so long ago. May you open up your heart to forsake that which does not satisfy. Come away from that which poisons and even dilutes your heart. Oh, Isaiah 55. Come and buy milk, wine, and water. Why do you spend money on what does not satisfy? Oh, all you are thirsty. I will never go back to dead, to him, no power, lame duck Christianity. Didn't do anything but bring a whole nation into pablum Christianity with sermonettes making Christianettes. Get on fire for God. It's an amazing thing. It's amazing to live for him who died and rose again. Oh, there's no other no other God. There's no other God. Hey, there's no other God. There's no other God like my God. Oh, 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 come on. Stand up on your feet.
here picking on you, but you needed to hear that the Lord has heard your prayer and he's come to intervene. And it's gonna be marked, it's gonna be clear, very detailed, that which you've cried out to God. He sees you sitting on the edge of your bed, times, quiet times in your car, saying, come God, and, and praying. He's heard those, those prayers of yours and he's come in response to them. There is a release of God's power to fulfill what you've been called to. Even from your mother's womb, you were knit together and called. Great gift of creativity, great gift of music God's given you. You have an ability to really make anything beautiful. You could go into a room and just, you can just see things. God's given you beautiful gifts. The Lord's heard your cry. Today is a divine turning point for you. this place, those online, all around this nation, Spotify, podcasting out there, YouTube, Facebook, the web stream. If that's you, you want to get right with God first time or, or recommit, or you just want to be sure, pray this prayer right after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and be my Lord, be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Raise your hands to heaven. Holy Spirit, fill. In the name of Jesus, this will end our broadcast. If you gave your heart to Christ, you be sure to let us know in the comments or send us an email through the intuitive links on the website or the app. We love you. God bless you. Rest of the congregation, lift your hands to heaven.
never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, if you've never been filled with the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, you've never received your prayer language, you want the power of God in your life. There, there's a big difference between receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then walking in power. It's very different. Somebody said, Pastor, your church is like different. Why is that? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more. We might be ankle deep. Praise God for the ankle deep. There's more and more to come. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll see through Scripture that the Holy Spirit is given through the laying on of hands, but not always. In Acts 2, Pentecost Sunday, which is next Sunday, Acts 2, Acts, Acts, Acts 8, it's inferred. Acts 10, Acts 19, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, listen to this. The apostle Paul says to some believers, he thinks they're believers. He says, hey, what's up? How's it? Oh, good. He said, oh, have you received the Holy Spirit since you first believed? They're like, we didn't even hear there's a Holy Spirit. It was so important to the apostle Paul that he asked some who he thought were believers if they'd been baptized. And the Holy Spirit, can, you can be filled with the Spirit upon salvation, but many times it's a separate thing that God will do. It's like being pickled. How many of you growing cucumbers today? All right, maybe you got some cukes out there. How many of you like pickles? I love pickles, dill pickles. Not the sweet ones, I like the dill. You take a cucumber and you put it in a vat of solution for a period of time and it changes and becomes a pickle. Cucumber, pickle. Everybody say cuke, cuke, pickle. Being baptized in the spirit, and I'm closing in a second. Being baptized in the spirit is being pickled. His, the Holy Spirit's on you. He lives in you. He saturates you and permeates every aspect of you. And, and you, you need that. Lift your hands to heaven and just let the Lord fill you. And God, God will give you a prayer language, sounds and syllables that will come forth. And somebody said, well, I, I thought you're not supposed to pray in tongues unless you're by yourself. No. There's a prayer language that God will give you that can be prayed corporately. But when a message in tongues comes, that's when there can't be two messages in tongues at the same time. You can have your prayer language interpreted. God gives the gift of interpretation to people. Do you understand? So, so tongues with interpretations, prophecy. You know, people are so hungry for the gifts of the Spirit and it's never taught. It's just never taught. It was just like, oh, this special handshake that you have to have. Nonsense. You receive Jesus, you can be filled with the Spirit. I'd encourage you to read up on it, but for now, like a dry sponge being dropped in the solution, like a cucumber being dropped into a vat made a pickle. Lift your hands and let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Fill these. Fill these. And if you have that freedom already, go ahead and pray in your heavenly language or sing in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit.
some of you got filled maybe for the first time, you go ahead and you let that language rip at home, in your car. You build up your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude talks about that. Amen. We're done. You ready? Let me close and bless you. Lift your hands to heaven. Don't miss tonight. Six o'clock, I'll be preaching. We'll be having KSM commencement. But that's an aspect of the service. Again, uh, Minister Barry's going to be outside. If you're interested to find out more about KSM, please do. We need you. Amen. Send your firstborn. We'll recruit them and launch them into the nations. Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Father, thank you. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. Six o'clock. We'll see you tonight. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.